Okay, well, today we're going to be um, starting a new sermon series. <clears throat> Last week was um, a kind of like a statement of uh, a vision of where we feel um, the Lord leading us as a church in this next season as, as elders and as leaders in the church, that we want to be a people of prayer and a people shaped by God's word. So can I encourage you, if you've not had a chance to listen to that, um, well, you won't have done because it's not been uploaded, but this afternoon it will be there ready for you to listen to. So do please um, listen to that. It'd be great if you could have a listen. But I'm excited because we're going to be starting a sermon series in the Gospel of Mark. And we're going to be doing this all the way up until Easter. So I'm excited by this. And we love to give gifts here at Oikos. And so each of you today will receive at least one gift, if not two. So the first gift is a Gospel of Mark with some pages in it. So, obviously, pages in it with some space to write. And so, can I encourage you to bring this with you each and every week um, to make notes and to have this with you and to see um, and just to work through it. And it's just be wonderful to see at the end of our time or even partway through our time how the Lord has been speaking to you specifically and any changes that He's wanting you to make in your life. Keep it logged on here as well. So, Andy, do you mind? Um, and Dom, do you mind handing those out to everyone, please? But if there's more needed, there's more on the. Um, there. And then secondly, if you're part of a gospel community group, um, Sam has spent the summer writing a wonderful um, Bible studies for you to be doing your gospel community groups. Um, they, there's a few bits missing because we had to get them printed before they were quite complete, but we'll be sticking them in over the coming weeks. Um, but you'll uh, take one of those. If you're part of a gospel community group, please do take one of those before you go today because I think that will be something that many groups will be doing. So that is a wonderful resource for you, Um, because we want to be shaped by God's word, don't we? We want his word to speak to us and to change us, and so here's an opportunity um, for it to do that for us during the week as well. I'm just going to read today's passage to us. It's um, Mark chapter 1. It's found on page 1002 in the Church Bibles. But also, it's found on, I think, page number one in your, in your book, in the Gospel of Mark book that I've just handed out as well. So, uh, page number 10, sorry, page 10. It's a little bit simpler to find, isn't it? Okay, starting at verse 1. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all of the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the river Jordan. John wore clothing made of camel's hair and a leather belt round his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, whose straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. 
At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and the angels attended him. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Um, Fathers, we come to your word. We thank you for it. Thank you that it is here for us today, that it speaks to us here today. And your heart is for us to become more like your son, Jesus. To find out more about him, to find out more about you, to find out more about what you've done for us and how much you love us. And just how you want us to be more conformed to your son's likeness day by day. I pray that that would happen today, that we would um, hear your words spoken to us, that it would be the spirit that goes out, that it would be your spirit that changes us, and we trust that you do want to change us. Let us be receptive to that now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, if you go onto Google and you ask Google what's the most important question that you can ask about life, these are the top four. Am I happy? Am I grateful? Do I like my job? And do I feel good? Well, a few weeks ago, um, I got to help um, a friend from the F3 Nation fitness group that um, George has started running on a Wednesday and Thursday morning. I got to go and help him move some furniture. And soon after that, I don't like moving furniture, so I needed a drink. So I stayed behind for a drink, and the conversation went deeper than I thought very, very quickly. In a roundabout way, he covered all four of those questions. Was he happy in life? I found out that. Was he grateful? Does he enjoy his job? Does he feel good? But we know that as Christians, there's a much more important question that we ask, isn't there? There's a much more important question that we ask about life. But actually, he was very insightful. And he started thinking about, well, actually, I do think about other things as well. He said, how did we start? He believes in the Big Bang Theory. He believes in evolution. But he also thought, knowing that I was a pastor, he said, but there must be a higher being, a God, that has made all this, or started it all anyway. So I asked him, how much time do you give thinking about these big questions in life? And he responded with a really, really insightful response. He said, I would like to find out more, but it's so easy in life that when there's so much to do, When there's work, when there's looking after my family, which is my priority, there isn't really time to ask yourself those questions. So what I do is whenever I have a question like this, and this is what he said, I put that question into a box and then I don't open that box. Great response. Very truthful, very honest. So I got to gently challenge him on that and I said, well, if you believe that a higher being or God started this world in some form, would he not reveal himself to us? Well, Yes, he said. And I said, well, I just want to encourage you. The Bible reveals God to us in the person of Jesus. And so I said, actually, I think a better question and a more important question that you can add to your box that I hope you open one day is who is Jesus? Praise the Lord that led to a very good conversation with him. But but this is the question that Mark's gospel sets out to prove for us. Who is Jesus? Who is he? It's the second of the four Gospels that covers the life and death of Jesus. Scholars believe that it was written, um, uh, that it was John Mark that wrote it. 
but it's Peter's account of uh, Jesus' life, dictated um, to John Mark in the mid to mid-50s AD, ten years before Peter's killed upside down on a cross in Rome. And we see John Mark in the Bible only in a few places. He's the young man in chapter 14 of Mark's gospel himself where he doesn't really cover himself in much glory. In fact, he doesn't cover himself with anything because he's the one that um, the Romans grab his tunic and he runs away and he's left naked. He is Barnabas' cousin who joins him on a missionary journey and joins Paul as well. But what happens to him? He gets very scared and he goes home. Paul's not impressed with him. And in fact, Paul refuses to go on a journey with him again and causes a split between Paul and Barnabas. But later on in life, Paul refers to him as someone that has become helpful to him. So there's a change in his life. Well, I'm excited because this is going to be two terms of looking at John's, uh, Mark's gospel. So we're going to be in it for some good amount of time. And this is what the scholar and preacher Daniel Aitken says about Mark. He says, Mark is a breathless account. I might even have it on here for you, if this works. Here we go. Mark is a breathless account of specific events in the life and ministry of Jesus to prove to a Roman audience, that's a Gentile audience, that he is the Christ, the Son of God, who served suffered, died, and rose again as the suffering servant for the Lord depicted by the prophet Isaiah. That's Mark's purpose. Who is Jesus? Who do you say Jesus is? But for many people that we probably have discussions with or chat to, their thoughts of Jesus is, isn't he just make-believe? It's like the guy I was chatting to. Is he really real? I can get God, but Jesus... Is he not just a good person like the Hindu leader, Gandhi, or the Buddhist leader, the Dalai Lama? Is he not just like the prophet Muhammad? Is he not just a teacher? Some good ideas, but he might follow some of them, but not all of them. And so if you're sitting here today and you're looking for the answer to the question, who is Jesus? Mark's gospel, you cannot get away from it. You're going to come face to face with it throughout. Who is Jesus? And the disciples take some time to work out who he is. They didn't really see. Peter says, confesses he's the Christ, but he still didn't really quite get what that meant until, until Jesus died. The evil spirits are the ones that know straight away that Jesus is the Son of God and what that means. It takes a Roman centurion at the end of Mark's Gospel to say, surely he is the Son of God. And guys, can I encourage you, if you don't know Jesus here today, if you've not received him into his life, this question has eternal consequences. It's important. Either he is who he says he is, the son of God, or he's a liar and a madman, and we're to ignore him. So we've got to do something, either ignore him, or we do what he says in verse 15. What does he say in verse 15? Repent, believe, and be baptized. Jesus, who is Jesus? He is like no other. He is like no other. It's not a question that we can keep in a box or that we can let people keep in a box and just deal with it at another point. It's so important. It's a question that we are charged, for those that know and love Jesus, to go towards people and ask them that question. Who do you say Jesus is? And for us that know and love him, think about our own stories and what he's done in our lives. Just remember that for a moment. What he's done in your life personally to bring you to this point. For some... 
well, for all, for all, it is um, being freed from the sin. But also it's transforming our lives from debilitating anxiety, from being a recluse, from a despair of a life of sin, from addiction, from hedonism, from broken relationships. There is no one like Jesus and there's no one that can deliver you like that. Remember our stories and be excited by them, what he's done for you. But also for us that know and love Jesus, it's, it's crucially, knowing we know who Jesus is, but we also need to know that he won't let us down. The reality is in our Christian life, isn't it? Life is hard and it's tough. And sometimes we doubt his goodness. And so I, want, I pray over this season that we would be stirred up to remember who Jesus is, how much he loves us, what he's done for us. That we would grow in confidence in our faith and we're growing confidence in sharing the good news of who Jesus is with other people. And so today we're actually going to see 20 points 20 ways in which we are able to point someone to Jesus and say, this is why he's like no other. This is why you need to trust in him. And my prayer is that you would spend some time dwelling on this over the next week and see who does, which one of these 20 points, where does it intersect with someone that I'm trying to reach with the gospel? What do they need to hear? But also, what do you need to hear at this moment? For those who've been walking with the Lord for many years... What do you need to hear at the moment? There's a truth about who Jesus is that will keep you steadfast, that will keep you um, committed to Jesus. These are truths that I think are timeless and things that we need to know. And so 20 truths um, and that basically we can play top trumps with to say he's better than anybody else. So if you like top trumps, you can write out of 10 which each point is worth. It's going to be 10 out of 10, I'm just going to tell you now. So here we go. Are we ready? Just as... Mark is a breathless account. Today's sermon is going to be a breathless account. So get your pens ready. There'll be smoke coming from them. <laughs> Do write in these books. They're to be written in. The best thing to do, I don't know about you, but when I get a new book, I hate writing in it, but I have to do it, so then I can write in it. So write in it first of all, and then you'll feel free to write. You'll feel happy writing in it. So here we go. Number one. Oh, so fast. It goes through. Number one, Jesus is the centre of all history. Look at verse 1. We're going to be in verse 1 for quite a while. So look at how this book starts. It says, the beginning. And where else do we see that word? Genesis 1, verse 1, in the beginning. It's the same word that starts the Bible. It's the same word that starts Mark's gospel. All of history points forward to and back to Jesus. And if you can't remember that, well, how do we time ourselves? How is the whole of the timing system of this earth based? Before Christ... And A.D., Anno Domino, the year of the Lord. It's amazing. Our whole system is based on Jesus. Don't know about you, but growing up, I remember my brother and sister would often say to me, Dan, you are not the centre of the universe. Well, it took me a while to realise that, but being, a third, being, the, being the youngest child, sometimes I think it's just natural that you feel that you are the um, centre of the universe, but that's not true. Jesus is the centre of the universe. And as we found out today, that even kings and queens will leave, will go. One thing remains. Jesus is the start, the source, and the constant of history. He is our basis for history. Well, secondly, he is also the source of the greatest news of all time. The beginning of the gospel. And what does gospel mean? You feel free to shout out, you're allowed to. Good news. Good news, it's when a herald would come back from battle with news of victory to the nation. We have won the battle, it is great news. 
And that's why we're called gospel community groups. We are heralds of good news. We could be a small group. We could be whatever we could be called, but a gospel community. We are groups of people that have the good news of Jesus Christ that we want to bring other people into. We are heralds of Jesus Christ. He is like no other. So in Luke's gospel, he quotes Isaiah 61 and he says this, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind and to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. If there's good news, there's got to be bad news. What's our bad news? We see here we are spiritually impoverished. We are spiritually blind. We are oppressed. We are enslaved by our sin. But there's good news. And the good news is that we have eternal freedom only found in Jesus Christ. Eternal freedom only found in Jesus Christ. Isn't that great news? As I say, we're going to be breathless. So thirdly, we're moving quickly through these points. Jesus is the only one who can save us from our sins and the judgment we deserve. Jesus is the only one who can save us from our sins and the judgment that we deserve. The beginning of the good news about who? Jesus. Mary was told to call this baby Jesus because it means the Lord saves. The Lord saves. Jesus will save people from their sins and their rebellion against God. There is, this is the whole story of the Bible, isn't it? God saves us through Jesus, from creation to sin entering the world through man in Genesis 3, through our rebellion against God. And then the story is a, is a story of God's love story for how much he loves us. How much he loves you, that he's going to rescue you back into relationship with him by his son Jesus. That's what the good news is about. The Lord saves, and this Jesus is his plan. He needs, Jesus is the only way for us to be back in relationship with him, with the Father. Jesus living the perfect life, living the perfect death, rising again, taking your punishment of your sin, your guilt, your shame on himself, because you yourself cannot do enough good things to make yourself right with God. Jesus is like no other. Muhammad can't do that. Gandhi can't do that. You name it. Buddha can't do that. Only turning to Jesus can. Number four, Jesus is the only one who can bring joy and love. Jesus is the only one who can bring joy and love. The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah. Messiah is a Hebrew word, and in Greek it is Christos, which means the anointed one. We see the Bible tells stories of evil kings that lead, their people, lead his people astray. But what happens? There's the promise of a Messiah to come that will lead them one day perfectly. And God promises Jesus, the Christ, the anointed one. God promises that he will bring a lasting love and a joy and a peace across his people. And it's what the Old Testament Israel were looking for. They were looking forward to this Messiah each and every single day, longing for him to come back and free them from the oppression of the Romans. But when Jesus came, what happened? They didn't see that it was him. And so many in our society today don't see that Jesus is the answer to their problems. They're looking for another Messiah, another thing that will be the answer to their problems. But we need to tell them Jesus is the, is the answer to their problem. And how does he do it? He does it through forgiveness of our sins. 
He didn't come on a white horse. He didn't come and destroy the Romans. He came to be a servant king. And that's the theme that we see throughout the Gospel of Mark is a king that has come to serve. That has come to bring a kingdom that is very different to any earthly kingdom. A topsy-turvy kingdom where he has come to serve and forgive people of their sins. Well, what do we see fifthly? Well, fifth and sixthly, we see... I think I've missed number six off here, but anyway. Um, fifth... There we go. Fifth and oh, I've got five and six. Brilliant. I was thought I was thought through on this. Um, fifth and sixthly is Jesus is fully divine and Jesus is fully human. It's the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. The author of Hebrews says God has spoken to us through His Son, who is the exact imprint of His nature. We don't follow just a person. We follow a fully divine and fully human. We follow God in the flesh. God come down to us. No one else can claim this. No one else claims this. He has to be fully divine. He has to be fully human for him to be able to pay for our sins. That is who he is. He's the son of God. Number seven. Jesus is proof that God keeps his promises. Jesus is the proof that God keeps his promises. Look in in verse 2. We're moving on from verse 1 now. You'll be relieved to know. But it's finally on verse 2. 14 more to go. In verse 2, Mark then quotes um, Malachi 3 and Isaiah 40. He says this. I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. This is one of 300 Old Testament prophecies predicting what will happen in the future in the Old Testament written hundreds of years before Jesus came but each and every single one of them is fulfilled in Jesus' life and resurrection and I was trying to work out Kenny, Kenny has a, an analogy or metaphor whichever one for this and he said it a few times and I always get it wrong so I'm going to attempt it but I think anyway it's roughly something like this if you were to if the United Kingdom was covered in three metres high worth of 50p pieces, all of the prophecies being true in Jesus and coming true in Jesus, it's the same as being able to find one gold 50p piece out of all those 50p pieces. Something like that. He says it much more eloquently than that. But anyway, whatever it is, it's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing. All the prophecies are true and come true in Jesus. And so the reason I say this is because God keeps his promises. Every single promise he has made, he has kept. He cannot fail to keep a promise. Isn't that amazing? I don't know about you, but I've made several promises in my life, hundreds of promises in my life, and my percentage of keeping them is not that high. 50, 60% maybe. But God, every single one of God's promises is true. And we need to know this when times are difficult and rough, especially. Because how can he be working all things to our good if my life is hard? Well, it's because there's an eternal outlook he wants us to have. God is good. He will bring you through to salvation. All his promises find their yes in Jesus. And he will keep them. Number eight. Jesus meets you where you are in verse nine. Look at this. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. 
find this amazing that, that, that this is not a distant God. Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. He comes and gets baptized in the wilderness, in the countryside, and he's baptized along all the sinners. I love that, all the sinners. All the sinners from the Judean countryside and Jerusalem. A lot of people were coming out to John, recognizing they were in need of forgiveness. They knew there was something wrong. And yet Jesus is willing to get baptized in the same river in the wilderness that all the sinners he had come to save. He, he came and chose to get baptized in a river in the same wilderness where sinners were getting into that water. God is not distant. He is with us. He is willing to step down and be with us. He is willing to come down into our mess wherever we are and he will meet you in your mess, whatever you've done and whoever you are. And we don't have to work out how to get to him. He's done that for us. He comes to you. He has come to us. And he won't let you down. Number nine, Jesus is... Am I number nine? Yes, Jesus is all-powerful. In verse seven, John the Baptist says, After me comes the one more powerful than I, more mightier than I. We'll see throughout Mark's gospel and throughout the other gospels, though, that, that Jesus speaks, waters are stilled, Sick are healed, hungry are fed, dead are raised to life. My word, he is powerful. He is like no other. I want him on my side. I don't know about you. Number 10, Jesus came to show you how to live. Verse 9 again. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the River Jordan. The whole reason Jesus is baptized is so he can identify himself with you. This is him serving you. This is him identifying himself with you and where you are. This is just the beginning of Jesus' humiliation as he submits to the Father's will and willingly is beaten, scorned, hated by sinful humanity, those he came to save. He's come to show you how to live and he expects us to follow how he lives and be the same suffering servants as he is. He is, does not expect us to do anything that he is not willing to do himself. Isn't it great when you, who are the sort of people that you follow? I look up to and follow people that practice what they preach and are willing to get down and dirty. Jesus is, is willing to do exactly everything that... He would not expect you to do anything that he's not willing to do himself. Number 11, Jesus brings complete peace. Jesus brings complete peace. Look at verse 10. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open. He saw the Spirit descending on him like a dove. This is not a dove in literal sense. This was like a dove. This is imagery, that of what we see in Genesis 8 when the dove flies out over the flood to see whether the flood has ended, that Noah sends out to show that God's judgment is over for that time. It's a picture of God's peace in a world of turmoil. And that's what Jesus has come to bring. He's come to bring you peace in every situation, in conflict, in pandemics, in crisis, in tensions, in your pain. He has come to bring you peace, even in your family disputes. Jesus will bring and is the only one that can bring you true peace. Well, number 12, 
Jesus is also filled with the Spirit in verse 10. He's given the Spirit, isn't he, in verse 10. The Spirit descends on him. I love Isaiah 11. It says this, The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, a spirit of counsel and of strength, a spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Jesus receives the Spirit, equipping him for his ministry. And how amazing is this? It's the same Spirit that is in Jesus as in you right now. If you know and love Jesus, you have the same Spirit in you. How hard is that to believe at times? The same Spirit that descended on Jesus is in you now. That is able to give you a Spirit of counsel and strength, of knowledge and a fear of the Lord. I find that amazing. Number 12. Number 13. Sorry, I've lost count. Number 13. Jesus is loved by God the Father. Jesus is loved by God the Father. You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Now I love my children dearly. Absolutely adore them. But my love is imperfect, however hard I try. Their love for me is imperfect, however hard they try. But God loves his son. The son loves the father with a perfect love. And that's the same love that for those of us that have received Jesus, that God loves you with. It's the same love. He says, you are my son, you are my daughter, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Maybe you need to hear that today. Maybe you need to hear that he is your father and he loves you and he cares for you. Not in an imperfect way, but in a perfect way. That is never changing, not based on who you are and how you do. The father loves you. Number 14. Jesus is familiar with temptation, we see in verses 12 and 13. Once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was there for 40 days, in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by Satan. How comforting it is to know that Jesus has faced every single trial and temptation that we face. He's faced the temptation to be angry, for lust, for selfishness, for comfort. But in the face of temptation, there was, no, um, there was no sin. There is nothing that Jesus has not faced. There's nothing that you will face that Jesus has not faced. Number 15, Jesus is the only one who can resist sin. Only the fully God man, only the fully God and fully man Jesus could do this. Only he could do this. There is no one like Jesus. There is no one like him. Jesus is the only one who can defeat death. Can you defeat death? Can you win that battle? Are you able to not sin and live a perfect life and obey God's laws? Are you able to lift yourself from the grave? I think the answer is a resounding no there we go thank you Paul good there is no one like Jesus he defeated death so that you too can on that day on the last day and be raised to heaven with him number seven Jesus is familiar with suffering he was with the wild animals and and I think that what's going on here is because Mark is writing to Gentile Christians we know that from one Peter that we studied a a couple of months ago is that how gruesome Christians were treated during that time, how they were dealt with by Nero. 
One way Christians were punished was to have um, the bloodied hides of um, animals skin put on top of them, and they were sent out into the wilderness, and then what would happen? Other animals would come and just tear them to shreds. Not my... Well, it sounds terrible, doesn't it? But, but Mark is clear. Jesus can sympathize with you in every circumstance. He was in the wilderness. He was on Satan's home soil. There were animals there that were wild and out to get him as well. And yet Jesus willingly went out onto Satan's home soil in the wilderness. Satan's got home advantage. And yet Jesus goes on the attack and he goes on the attack for you, to win a victory for you. And so in your wilderness experience, when you're feeling in despair, when you're feeling on your own, when you're, tempted in, um, when you're tempted in every single way, in your suffering or whatever's going on, Jesus can sympathize with you and he is the greatest source of hope. And we need, look, look, need not look anywhere else. What a comfort it is to know that he's gone through whatever you've gone through, he has gone through. But also from this point, I think we see that what is actually, what's Satan's goal in getting him on his own? What is Satan's goal? And I think we see this. If you look at Matthew's account, we see that Satan offers him food when he's hungry. And he offers him all the power to have all the nations bow down to him rather than going and be killed by them. And so Satan's offering him comfort. He's offering Jesus the chance not to suffer because a suffering servant meant that Satan would be doomed and his destruction was there. It means salvation for you and for me. But Jesus didn't take the easy option. He didn't take the easy option. He did not take the comfortable option. That was what was at stake in the wilderness. And isn't it funny that so often the way in which we are tempted, the way in which we feel attacked by Satan is in our comfort, isn't it? That's where he gets us. Wouldn't it be more comfortable if you just had this job or lived here or did this or whatever it may be? Jesus won a battle for us and gave up the comforts. And it's the same for us. Praise Jesus that he didn't succumb to that. Number 18, Jesus brings hope for all people and for all nations. Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God, we see in verse 14. Galilee was known as Galilee of the Gentiles, where Jews and Gentiles were living side by side with one another. And so Jesus was proclaiming news, not just for the Jews, but to all people in all places. He came for all nations. He didn't start his ministry in the attractive place of Jerusalem, did he? He started out in the middle of nowhere in a despised countryside region. Because there is no place, there is no person that is too far from the hope of Jesus. Maybe you've got someone in mind now, and I encourage you to write down on your, in your booklet, who do you feel is too far from Jesus? Who do you feel that it's just too hard for him, that that person, to come to know them? Write that person's name down and faithfully pray for them over the coming weeks. Because Jesus came to a region that nobody would want to go to. And yet that's where he starts. A region where there are all nations. No one is beyond hope. Number 19. We're almost there. Jesus is the king who reigns over everything. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Countries will come and go. Powers come and go. The Egyptian Empire, the Roman Empire, the Assyrians, 
Even the UK will one time not exist. But there is one kingdom that will remain forever. That is the kingdom of God that has come near and been brought to us. Number 20. Jesus invites you into a relationship with him. This is the amazing news. The centre of all history and the source of the greatest news says, repent and believe the good news. Repent. Turn away and confess your need for his forgiveness. Turn from yourself and turn purposely to God instead. Repent from all your attempts to satisfy and save yourself and believe. And that is all we have to do is trust in Jesus. Just trust in him. Believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and you should be saved. (coughs) Who is Jesus? And how do I know he won't let me down? Because he is like no other. We've seen 20 reasons why he's, well, who Jesus is and why he's like no other and how we know we can trust him. And he invites you, if you don't know him, and you're sitting here today and you've not, there's not a day you've not received Jesus into your life, he wants, he's inviting you into a relationship with him. And so can I encourage you, if that's you, please come and see myself, Andy, Grant, whoever, come and speak to someone because he wants you to come to know him. He wants you to be part of his family. And then we're called to be baptised. We've had the privilege of baptising over 40 people here at Oikos in a hot tub, sometimes cold. Um, and it's been a joy, I mean, a real joy, as an outward sign of someone's true conversion, that they've come to know Jesus. And they want to tell other people about him and show other people that they have had their sins forgiven. And so if, you, if there's a day you've not been baptised, but you know Jesus is your Lord and Saviour, we're called to go and be baptised. And we'd love to have baptisms here as well. So come and speak to me and see me if you'd like to do that. And so, guys, I, just, I hope that we are encouraged that Jesus is like no other, that we have 20 reasons, even from these first 15 verses, that we can go to people and tell them how Jesus is like no other. And I pray that it has buoyed our hearts and excited us to know that these 20 truths are true and what we believe is not false, but it's a real person who really lived, that really did these things. And we truly can say, surely you are the Son of God. So just as a little takeaway for us, please, um, is have a look through those 20 truths over the coming week. I encourage you to do that. Which one of these, one or two of these truths do you need to know right now? What are those things, you look through that list, what are the things that you think, oh man, I need to remember that. I need to remember that, God's prom- that God can never relent on a promise. He always keeps his promises. Maybe you need to remember that Jesus is the only one that can truly defeat death. You can't do it yourself. Not your good works are worthless. Maybe you need to remember that Jesus is familiar with you and you're suffering and you're struggling right now and life is tough and it's hard. And you need to know that you have a saviour that can sympathise with you where you're at. Maybe you need to remember that Jesus can bring you complete peace. Not just temporary, not just a quick fix peace, but this is a permanent peace that you can receive through coming to know that your sins are forgiven and that burden of what um, that means is taken off you. Let's just spend a few moments in quiet and then we're going to finish in singing.